Hey guys, this is Colin, and I am live in Las Vegas, live for me, with <laughs> Joe748 and Pirate AP. How's it going, Pirate AP? Good, good. Running on two hours of sleep, but uh, ready to do this thing. Let's go. <laughs> you sound like an AP. Uh, yeah, I sure how, do. How about yourself, Joe748? Doing well. I feel like everyone is running on two hours of sleep this boot camp with all the flights canceling and everything. Yeah, yeah. People flying in from other continents and whatnot. Well, glad that you joined us, even with two hours sleep. You didn't sleep through it, so. Yeah, no. I got a quick little 20-minute nap on the plane here, so that was refreshing. And we're here in Vegas, right? Vegas never sleeps. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to get into your story. You want to tell us, just from the get-go, how you heard about how you got interested in card counting and advantage play? Yeah. Well, so I, in my entire adult life, I never really been to casinos or done any kind of gambling since I turned 21. And back early last year, me and my ex-partner at the time, now ex, uh, we went to do a little Nevada trip. We we're just like, yeah, we want to get out somewhere and go go travel a little bit for a few weeks. And so we did a little trip through Nevada. We went to Lake Tahoe and we were trying to see Reno and Las Vegas. And of course I was like, well, you know, never been in a casino before, never gambled. So might as well give it a go and try it out. And you know, we're in Nevada. So yeah. And then I went into a casino and I played the slots for a little bit and that wasn't any fun. Um, and then I saw the blackjack tables and I was like, oh, this is that 21 game. And yeah, I played a little bit. And even when I was sitting at the table, I like won 50 bucks that night. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. But even when I was sitting at the table, I was thinking, oh man, how do I, how do I play? Like trying to like create my own system of, oh, if I just stand on all my 14s, I have less than a 50% chance of busting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just like that small little $50 profit got me really hooked. And I was like, I wonder if there's like a way to beat this game. And then I looked at Blackjack Apprenticeship and back then I was like, oh, this is like a total scam. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> just some guy trying to sell me on a membership, you know. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then after that, we went to Las Vegas. Turns out I was playing a CSM machine, which I had no idea was not a beatable game. But the brand new Ploppy and me decided to play that and won about 200 bucks on a CSM machine. So that was pretty nice. And I was like, man, I got to really learn how to make money on this. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm looking for to do something different. I'm looking to quit my job and do something that means me working less hours and having more freedom. And then I said, you know what? If it's a scam, it's 200 bucks down the drain, whatever. And it turned out to be the best investment I could ever possibly make. So the best. All right, we're going we're gonna to wrap things up there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the best scam possible, yes. Well, that's nice to hear. What were you doing before you got into all this? Yeah, um, for the two years before that, I got into um, some, I won't really go into specifics, but it was like social justice related work. It was something I was really passionate about at the time and something that was really rewarding. I was helping people, you know, and that made me feel really good. And I was doing that for, you know, about two years and I enjoyed the work for the most part. You know, it wasn't that, it wasn't some kind of like corporate job where I was kind of selling myself to some corporation and helping them make money. It was a job that was really rewarding and, um, you know, gave me a lot of purpose, but I think towards the end of it, I felt really burned out because we were just working on a lot of things. And I just got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I needed to take a break and just do something different. And I've been doing that line of work for many years, even before that, like as a volunteer and just in my community. So I was just kind of looking for an outlet and I know (laughs) becoming a card counter is a huge different path than what I was doing before. But I think, you know, AP play really gave me a lot of freedom that I don't think I would have in many other jobs. So, yeah. So when you were looking into 
you know, changing your careers and looking into BGA, how confident were you that this thing would actually work and you could, were you even thinking that far ahead or? I mean, one of the things I saw that was just really enticing is like, you know, you were calling your time about like the, the church team and you guys make, you know, as car counter making over $400 an hour. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. And for me, I wasn't really thinking about the money per se. I was thinking more about, oh, this is how much freedom I could have. Like if I only had to work 20 hours a month instead of 80 or 160 hours or whatever, I'd be able to have more freedom in that way. Yeah, I guess for me, it was more about like the freedom, you know? Well, moment of truth. Do you feel like you have had more freedom? Yeah, for sure. It's been really nice. Even with all the travel and all that? Yeah, I mean, the travel, I think, I mean, I'm full-time. I'm a full-time AP. So I think for me, the travel is mandatory. And, you know, I've burned a lot of my local places. But I'm also making the best out of it. Like, I'm seeing a lot of new states this year. I've traveled a lot of new places that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to see without AP uh, Blackjack. And I, you know, I've had some... A lot of travel, a lot of swings and stuff like that. But when I'm out in these places and I'm just exploring as well, taking advantage of me being in that place and vacationing and seeing new places, I think it's uh, made me really grateful. So, uh, yeah. Did you say you have too much freedom? Idle time is the <laughs> devil's playground. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, uh, yes and no. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. I also have another, I, I don't think I really talked about it much on the forum, but I do also have another part-time job. And it's, it's a public sector job. It's like, you know, 10 hours a week, really flexible hours. It's just kind of a nice like way to supplement my income. But yeah, I would say I do have a lot of free time and it's been really nice. So I have questions about that with part-time job, but I want to back up a little bit. I remember on the forum when you mentioned that you were going to quit your full-time job and go pro and there was a lot of input, but kind of a a lot of pushback, which in one sense, I'm really thankful for that we don't have a community of people that are like, quit your job, go gamble full time. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of people that are saying like, hey, you really got to think. I mean, I start every boot camp saying very few people go on to go pro. So I'm thankful that, but it can be a little too much where it's like, you're an idiot if you're going pro. And nobody said that. <laughs> but I guess my question is, how did you take all that? How did you process all that? And what was that like getting all that input? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was really important. And I, I really do truly appreciate everybody who talked to me out of it the first time. Because I remember early on in my first 20 hours, I mean, my whole intention of getting into AP Blackjack was to go full time and have that freedom. And I'm really glad that people talked me out of it the first time. And I know the second time around, I was in a little bit of a better position than the first time, even though it still wasn't ideal circumstances. But yeah, no, I think looking back, all the feedback and all the advice from the pros and the community, I think was incredibly helpful. And I took a lot of that to heart when I went full time, you know, trying to minimize my expenses, playing only the best games possible. And of course, I did end up burning some local places throughout the way, which required me to travel a little bit more. But I will say I got lucky and running well in the beginning, first few months, and I was able to build up my emergency fund. But yeah, I mean, I think without the community, I mean, I think I probably would have just gone off and done it and probably wouldn't have been successful. So I'm really grateful for that. So you said that you you got hot at, at the beginning and were able to build up an emergency fund. Was that before you quit your job? Before I quit my job, I had about three months saved up. Now I have, I have about six months, which I feel a lot more safer on because I've gone through losing streaks that have gone two to three months even. And I think if I had not gone beyond that, I probably would have gone bust. Yeah. I mean, and, and even I would encourage if someone's going to quit their job, you know, six months is really nice to have. But even three months, it's not like you're, you know, needing to make rent 
you know, from the tables right. uh, the first month or anything like that. So what was your whole training process like? How long did that take? What was the ramp from, okay, I'm willing to take a risk on the scam and buy a membership to, <laughs> to like quitting the job? How long was that time frame? How many hours of practice and anything else that's helpful for people that are maybe where you were at? Yeah. When I started, I had done a bunch of, I just hit the ground running because I was just ready to ready to quit my job and just really do this full time. But I think when I started, I had done all the video courses. I'd done the training suite. I really made sure like my game was perfect. I started with about $15,000 bankroll and it was a replenishable bankroll. So that was helpful because I was back when I was still working my other job. And so I was able to put money back into it. But um, I would say from the time I started to when I went full time, I had about 150 hours in between, I'd say four or five different regions. And then, yeah, I think around 150 hours in, I, that's when I took the leap. So 150 hours of table time on top of like you trained till you were perfect, at least on software, and then got 150 hours of playing time. Is that when you came to a boot camp? Was it was? Yeah, you were just going full time, right? I think it was right on the cusp of that full time transition. Yeah. So the 150 hours, you said you burned some local places. I'm just curious, are there any, you know, not that you need to dwell on the past, but any regrets or any advice? Do you wish you would have played those locals any differently? Or do you feel like, ah, it was just part of the process? Yeah, I think there are, I mean, there's a lot of locals I really was able to milk for a few, you know, tens of hours, which is really nice, including rated play. But yeah, I think one of the things I would say I did somewhat regret was kind of, there There are some places where I regret playing rated at, just because back then I didn't really know that they were database participants or anything like that. And I think that's where really uh, networking is really important. You know, one of the things I do now is I'm always just making sure I network with somebody in a new region before I go out and play. But yeah, I mean, I guess I would I would have minimized my rated play, even though I would say also in some places where I did play rated, I got lots of comps, like free nights, I got match plays, I got all sorts of stuff that really helped on cutting back on expenses. Generally speaking, though, I think I would have played less with a card, less okay. with my ID. So, Yeah. So you said that you put effort into networking before you go to a new region. I've been thinking about that because, you know, I do phone calls with BGA members pretty regularly every week. And people are saying, yeah, I know I need to start the networking thing, but I don't even know, like, what do you mean by networking? And I could say my answer, but I'm curious, you know, how do you approach that? What do you say to someone newer when they're like, when you're like, oh, yeah, well, I network before I hit the road or whatever? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it really is about, I mean, honestly, like meeting with other APs, meeting with other people on the road is just like a huge, I would say it's like a huge EV opportunity in more ways than just financial, right? Yeah. Just meeting other people on the road, you know, getting their experiences, seeing what they're going through. But I think also it's important to like know what their experiences are like in each region, you know, like what are the, you know, and maybe you're not going to share your like your honeypot game or anything like that, like what your secret, you know, you know, whole card game is or whatever. But I think getting a general sense of the region and also being there and being making it be like an equal exchange, right? Like I'm here and meeting with you and getting a little bit more information on the region. Like if you're ever in my part of the area, like I'm happy to share, you know, what I know about those places. And so I think it's important that folks kind of talk with each other and get information in that way and help each other out. So let's say uh, you plan to go to a certain city that has like five casinos nearby. How do you choose which ones to go to first? Like, do you just kind of look at everyone's past experience and like find the least sweaty one? Or is there some other requirements that like, how do you pick? Yeah. I mean, usually what I do is I go on 411 and I just kind of scout out like generally what the games are like, 
And I know some in a lot of places, and I know that this is something that's been ongoing. It's ongoing work in the community where uh, people are trying to update 411. And, but yeah, usually what I'll do is I'll look at the casinos, I'll look at the, the rules and the, and the conditions and stuff. And then I'll also try to like meet up with other APs in that region to see, you know, what are some, you know, what are some updates to that? What are some better shifts to hit up? You know, things that usually wouldn't be more public. Yeah, I think that's good. Like the meeting up with people before you play is something that I think a lot of people don't think about because it's like you land in the airport, you hit the ground running. But I think it is a really good idea to meet up with other members. And Yeah, Joe, I know you did a lot when you were just on the road full time for a couple of years. You met up with people in every city and it wasn't just like so you could find out secret games. There was just a simply a relational aspect. So can you speak to that, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, I think it's just a natural part of wanting connection. And when you're solo, I mean, you're a solo player, right? Or you're not on a team. So it's just, yeah, yeah, it it definitely gets lonely for sure. And it's just so nice to have a familiar face in X town in the middle of wherever you are. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's that's the other huge advantage of it, too, is just meeting with other people and seeing what they're going through, you know, and being there for each other. You know, it's like, if you need to cash out, like I'm here to help you out. And, you know, if you're ever in my area, I'm here to like, you know, share what I know and help you with anything, like if you need it. And yeah, I, I think that's really important. For yeah. Sure. Cause I feel like you get burned out on the casino people interaction. Cause they just are generally grumpy towards you and the dealers are just mad. You're not tipping and all. So it's really, yeah. <laughs> really nice. To... Yeah. It's nice to have someone to rant and rave with for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, glad to hear your guys thoughts on that. I, I think, it's easy to undervalue that, especially someone like me that I'm, I'm not like a natural networker extrovert. So if, if you're like me, it's still worth it to meet other APs and, and have that connection. And, you know, as far as like the networking Intel side of it, I think simply asking, is there a casino in the city I should avoid? Right. People don't ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> and then they play that casino first. Yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, just, you don't even have to say, Hey, Where's the best place to play? You know, I, I see that on, on the chat rooms, like, where do I play? And people might not want to tell you that, but if just simply, is there somewhere that I should not play or I should play absolutely last could be the difference between a terrible trip and a good one? Yeah, no, I recently just had my, my recent trip. I would networked with an AP and I was about to make a two hour drive. And then I reached out to him and I was like, hey, like, what do you think about X casino? And he's like, oh, no, you need to avoid that. It's like really sweaty. Like they're going to flyer you and all that stuff. And yeah. made the detour and got in plenty of hours at this other place. I had a way better game. So nice. that is, yeah, that's one of the huge powers of networking. Yeah. So are you kind of, are you like nomad right now? Or do you go home every once in a while? Is your job remote or do you have to go back to your home? And I have to be in person okay. uh, three days a week, but they're very flexible. I can like get days off. I can... Uh, I, I request them well off in advance because I'm already planning my trips a month and a half out. So I'm already, you know, and 100% of the time, 99.99% of the time, they usually approve it. So it's been really nice to have that flexibility. Okay. Um, I don't think I'd be able to do both if I didn't have that. How long are your trips usually when you go play? Last year, I was taking shorter trips, more frequent trips. So I would do like three-day trips three times a month. But honestly, that got really exhausting. And back at the time, you know, I was in a relationship and that was really hard to maintain just being gone that frequently. So now my trips are usually four days, twice a month. And honestly, that's enough for me. I think if I were to do any more than that, I'd probably go crazy. And I get pretty homesick too. So it's nice to be back home and recharge between trips. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested about you know the, the part-time job. What does that do for you as far as some stability outside of AP play? And then also what does that do for you for financial stability? Yeah, I would say... You know, it's it, I, the the job. I really took it because 
Well, one, it's a it's a nice job. I really like the people I worked with. It was it's a public service job, so it makes me feel a little bit better. It's nice to feel like a normal person after the end of a trip and have a normal job like serving people. So in, in some ways, it kind of recharges me a little bit. It re- recharges my soul. But on the financial side, it's kind of like it, it's not you know, my main income comes from blackjack. It doesn't come from this other part-time job I have, but I think it's helpful to know that I do have a part-time job I can rely on. I can pick up more hours if I need to, you know, if I'm going through a bad swing or if I need to, you know, just, you know, get by financially. So it's definitely nice to have that flexibility if I can increase my hours whenever I need to. And in some ways it is going into my bankroll. So it's, it's a small replenishable income. Do you have any like guilt about this type of work coming from such a service or like a public service based job or is your part-time kind of covering that need or that? Yeah, (laughs) it's actually interesting. I've had some people in the community that have like really been like, what are you, what are you doing now? You know, you used to do all this other stuff. And yeah, it is, it is a little bit different than what I'm used to. And when I tell my, you know, people in my community and my, you know, my, my, my friends that I, you know, do all this other work with about what I'm doing, that it's, they, they definitely, um, have a lot of questions, <laughs> but I, I think they, they understand too when I tell them about it, like, you know, this is something that I do for the freedom. And, and in some ways, a lot of them get a little jealous. They're like, wow, I wish I could do what you're doing, but I don't think they, they see the other side of it, right? The swings, the back off, the travel, like there's a lot of other, there's the underbelly, the nasty underbelly of AP play too, that a lot of people don't see. But I think the job does really help make me feel like a normal person, you know, serving people again. So I, even though 100% of my income comes from blackjack, I would say I would still stick around with that job, you know? And and even if I decided to end part-time or full-time play, I'd probably want to keep that too yeah. in my back pocket. So Joe was saying before you got here, he was excited to talk to you. It seems like you have a very thoughtful approach to how you do things. What are, you know, you said you plan trips six weeks out, mm-hmm. which maybe not everybody is doing. That is though the sweet spot for buying airfare. Yes. It's, it's something like four to eight weeks before for domestic anyway mm-hmm. a little pro tip for you guys um <laughs> but uh positive ev move what what have you learned about kind of your your approach when you hit a town or how you interact in the casino anything you could share with us that you know you've learned along the way yeah i think one of the biggest things that i've really been trying to perfect is my act i think that is so critical you know that's just one of those things you just can't learn on bja i mean there's you can learn the the science and the art, the the math behind it. You know, anybody can learn how to count cards, but being able to do that in a casino setting while you're talking with dealers, while people are talking to you, you know, and how do you not act like you're just sitting there and you're just have tunnel vision? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you just blend in with the crowd and how do you, yeah, how do you how do you behave like a ploppy basically while playing like an advantage player? Um, I think that's one of the things I've been I've noticed has helped me a lot in uh, just getting longevity. I've been talking with other counters who have had really creative ways of getting in hours and just their act has just been really ins- inspiring to me and, you know, taking tips and tricks from that and um, yeah, applying that I, to my play. So to me, it's, I think it was because I read Burning the Tables in Las Vegas right when I started. I mean, I, I read Professional Blackjack and that's just the science, the math of it. But then Burning the Tables in Las Vegas, you know, what I love about the book is how much thought he put into the psychological aspect of it. And if you haven't read that book, just at least read that part of the book where he talks about the casino is the customer, the customer is always right, how do I treat? So I guess it just seemed like, of course, I'm going to 
act like a ploppy and, and, you know, all those things in a casino. But there's been this thread on the forum about kind of like, uh, what was it? Never have I ever or something like that. It's the things that like card counters typically don't do and it makes them look like a card counter. But one, one guy was telling a story about he saw a, a guy came and sat down at his table and very quickly was like, he's a card counter. And so he just sat there and played <laughs> and let the guy act like a robot at the table. And within an hour, he's backed off. And I'm thinking like, hey, good for you. You figured out how to get the edge. But if you know how to present yourself, you can actually get in the hours. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, one, it's just something you just, because I mean, me, I've never spent, I've only spent like, you know, two days or, you know, like a few, like maybe two, one or two hours in a casino setting before I learned how to count cards. And I have no idea of how people talk, you know, back then. But yeah, through the hours, you just, you hear what people say, you hear how people behave. And, you know, it's one of those like monkey see, monkey do, yeah. you know, you just kind of got to blend in. So like, what's your personality now compared to how you started out with your, with your act? Well, currently I'm in a 90 hour downswing. So it's been a lot of uh, slamming the tables. So and, method acting that you hate your life uh, and you're pissed off. Uh, yeah. You know, just, uh, you know, cussing through the roof, uh, slamming tables, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it makes me look like a degenerate. And honestly, that's what I want them to think, you know, that I'm just there to gamble and I have nothing better to do with my time. And <laughs> so that's been me mostly uh, at this current moment. But generally, I'm getting up, you know, when I have my max bets out, I'm like getting up from the table. I'm like clapping, you know, when the, you know, when I win the hands and yeah, just talking at the table and just being emotional as, as I can be. Yeah, that's good. What's your usual excuse for why you're in this random place in a rural area? Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends where I'm at. If I'm in Las Vegas, I think it's generally pretty easy for me. I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of tourists here. And they're just like, oh, I'm just here on vacation, you know. If I'm in a more like uh, secluded region, like that doesn't usually get a whole lot of like tourists who go there to gamble. I'll just be like, oh yeah, I'm just visiting a friend and he's working right now. So I'm just kind of here sitting here and waiting until he gets off of work or something, you know. Or, you know, if there's something going on in town, if there's like an event going on in town. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm here for, for X and X. And I'll always try to make sure I do my research to be able to talk about it. Because I don't want to be like talking about something and then they're like, oh, yeah, so what do you think about that? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, not knowing. Uh, not you knowing know, you're, I don't know if gregarious is too strong of a word, but, you know, you're you're an extrovert or you, you seem to be. and Somewhat, yeah. Um, so it works for you. My advice to people listening, that might not work for you. Right, absolutely. It might not work for everyone to be slamming tables and cussing up a storm, but... If you just observe in a casino, you see the different kinds of degenerates. Absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. You got the loud degenerate. Quiet you got, ones. You got the quiet chasing their money degenerate, you know. It, it, the just, frat boys. Yeah. Just be, be an observer and take on, just accentuate your personality towards the one that that you see in the casino and, and the things that they say and the way they carry themselves. And that, that'll go a long way. Yeah. And there are, there are times when I'm there and I just don't really want to talk either. Like yeah. I'm just like, I just, I just want to sit here and count. And I think for me, that's easier when I'm losing and the pit, the pits know it, the dealers know it. And so I'm just sitting there, you know, with my, with my hand on my forehead, just looking at the table and just playing. And they just let me play because they just know that I'm just going through a really bad session, you know? And yeah. so times like that are nice, you know, but yeah, it really just, it, it all depends on your personality. And I think if you try too hard to be the opposite type of person in a casino, I think that actually stands out a lot more. Like people see that you're trying, behaving a little, you're like trying too hard, you know, in that direction. Have you ever been like caught in a lie with your story or like 
they keep asking you details about why you're there and it just doesn't make sense or I haven't really had that experience yet. Because I've done that friend thing where I'm like, yeah, I'm visiting my friend. He's working right now. And then five o'clock rolls around. I'm still there. Eight o'clock rolls around. I'm still <laughs> 11 o'clock. And then, and then day four. It's like, what happened like, to your oh, friend, man? Yeah, you just like, leave here? going to see your friend? And <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, I got locked out. He won't be back until Monday. You know, I'm going to have to wait until then, I guess. Rx Gamble has a really great blog post about this, the effort that she puts into why she's there. You know, she has answers to, and I, I think what she says is, you know, the common questions are going to be asked, right, right. but she has them all thought out. She has a, if it is in the middle of nowhere, why she's there. And, and, That's brilliant. I mean, and she's really smart about it. It could be like, oh, a family member passed away and I have to be here for a week while we sort stuff out, but I just need to get away or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. they're not going to ask her a lot of follow-up questions. Right. You know? That's That's, thinking ahead. I wish I would have put more thought into it back in the day, but I, I didn't. Yeah, that is one of the things I try to do now is like have a story, like have a have a you know something that I'm going to tell people. I think one of the other thing too is that I, you know, millennials don't really look like they're supposed to have money, right? So if I'm like buying in, people are asking me like, "Yeah, what do you do, man?" Like, I just uh, I tell me, "Yeah, I work in I work in coding," you know, and I'm from California, you know, I'm from a part where is where is really you know that's tech is like a really big thing over there, and so I tell people, "Yeah, I just do coding. I, I'm I'm a coder." I do, uh, you know, coding for, you know, startup companies and I can talk a little bit about it because I do have experience doing some coding, but I don't go too much into the weeds, you know, not, not enough where it's just like, you know, giving them like really specific details. Along with the funeral story, one worked well for me one time where I just said, you know, oh, I'm here in town. I had to come back to this place because I have a court date. And then they just don't ask any more questions after that. But <laughs> you it, got a court date, you're gambling. It was, a tr- it was actually a true story, so I was there. <laughs> okay. And that nice. that brings up the point I, I wanted to make, which is you don't have to just lie your face off. You know, like both of your stories were were true. You just told enough information that they can make up the rest. Right. Uh, I would say my family owns real estate, which is true. Like not like millions and millions of dollars, but my, yeah. my parents owned a few properties and, you know, a few rentals. And so it's true. They can just make up the rest. Yeah. But to have an, a reason why, you know, why you're there or those common questions is, is definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, next month, look out for the um, new feature of the website, the BGA Inside the Actor Studio training <laughs> oh, module. Nice. Yeah, you're getting there. <laughs> you're, you're joking about the method acting. Like, don't take the act home with you. You know, you can leave the character at the casino. You don't have to be yeah. cussing and slamming stuff when you get home. Yeah, I've been talking with another AP about you know their act, and they had, they had some really creative ideas. Mm. It's like kind of like like the sports book act. Where you're, you're there, but you're also like you're there for like the sports teams, and there's like you know the, the, they have the, like the TVs and the sports, and you're getting up and you're like clapping, like yeah, I've got money on that person. I thought that was a really creative yeah. idea, or like you know knowing what the local conventions are and just kind of really having going with that having a receipt from the sports book or you know like yeah. you don't have to <laughs> place a large amount. We, we used to, the you know back in the day, it was you get a kino receipt you know you don't even have to buy it like you can find them like on the ground you have that and they're like this dope bets on kino too you know you just you look the part yeah yeah you'd be surprised what little things can change or put enough seed of doubt in the floor's mind sometimes like just me doing like my free play in the slot machine once was enough for the manager who is really enthusiastic and intelligent about counters made her question her own 
you know, education and training. And then she even told me when we got backed off, it was just like, yeah, when you went over there and playing that slot machine for a, a while, it just really threw me off that first day you were here. Oh, nice. They actually admitted that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. So are there any efforts you put into at this point to avoid burning down a region or a casino? Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those players where I just like to sit through because I've noticed that really early on in my career, I've backed myself off a lot. And, you know, I've just learned that that's just not, it's not really a way I like to play, but I've also, as I raised my stakes, it's been, I've noticed the sweat and the heat a little bit more. So I just, I, and especially the casino is like a, a few hour drive. Like it, it's hard for me to like hit and run that place. You know, I'm not going to drive three hours just to get a positive shoe and then leave. So one of the things I've just been really working on is just like my act, you know, and how do I, how do I, you know, how do I behave as much of a ploppy as I can at these casinos and get hours in? And ultimately I've got a spread. I, I don't, I rarely do any cover plays. You know, maybe every now and then I'll do like the starting the shoe with maybe two hands of a hundred, you know, after a really wildly positive shoe. But besides that, I mean, I just, you know, I try to just, yeah, act, act as best as I can. And if I get backed off, I get backed off. I think it's just really region dependent too. I take a lot of notes about like what are a casino sweating so that I kind of make my trip more efficient the next time I go, especially if it's like my first time in a region. So yeah, I think just learning the route and like planning routes better, I think is something that I've just learned throughout time and being in regions and doing that. So that's how I've kind of been able to get more hours in. Have you found any like uh, travel tips or things you've learned along the way? Not really casino related, but just as far as just the traveling from place to place, anything that would help out someone else? Like, Yeah. A huge thing that's helped me out is I, I so I, I do, I do hotels, hotels.com. Uh, it's really useful for like, cause you get every 10th day, you get like a free hotel. That's helped me a little bit when I'm doing trips. I always do the Southwest travel deals. And by the way, I'm not a paid uh, <laughs> promoter of Southwest. Just, an FYI. just, just a paid BJ shell. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I, I have noticed that that's been a huge savings because if you do like uh, the rental car rentals and the hotel and the flight, it actually is a lot cheaper than just doing them all separately. And honestly, I would say if you are really smart and do your intel and are really like well networked with people, there are you know some places that you can go play rated at, which do offer like comped hotels and don't aren't database participants and are tolerant. Will give you hours, but I think that's just really dependent on how well you network with you know other APs and. So that, that's helped me out a little bit. Man, you're calling your tip for Turo the other day. Oh my, it is so much cheaper. Turo? What is Yeah, what is Turo? yeah. Turo is basically Airbnb for cars. Oh. So nice. it's just people. So I heard about it recently. I can't remember where, but my wife and I were coming here for a thing here in Vegas, I don't know, a month or two ago. And I was like, well, let me check it out. Uh, and rental cars have been expensive lately. And so I looked and it's been like a, a bucket list thing. You know, I drive a 15 year old truck. It, like a car is not where I personally can put my money. I don't drive a lot, but it's like a bucket list thing to get some like sweet convertible. And it was a perfect time of year, April in Vegas, my wife and I, no kids. And so I got a Porsche something GTS and it was like a hundred bucks a day. Oh, not bad. Yeah. The guy, Porsche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was fun, you know, but that's a fancy car. You know, you can get, I could have gotten like a Yaris or something for you know, 20 bucks a day or no, I mean, through Turo oh, yeah. for super cheap and you figure out the, where you meet them. It was faster 
than the Vegas, you know, take the shuttle to the rent-a-car place and right. wait in line yeah. to sign the paperwork. So whatever, people listening, check out Turo. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no sponsor. But uh, no but um, I've been telling other people going on AP trips to at least check it out. And, and it's so far, it's cheap and awesome. Yeah. Another another few small hacks too, or just some minor ones is, you know, at the rental, they always ask you, do you want insurance? And I always say no. You know, because obviously you don't need insurance if you already have car insurance. And then I never do the refill, the pre the, the prefill. They're always like, "Oh, it's always cheaper over here." And I use an app called Gas Buddy, which I do recommend. Yes. yes. And I'm looking. I'm like, "Hold on, give me a second. I'm like looking at Gas Buddy. I'm like, "No, I'm gonna pass." Yeah. So they're always trying to upsell you at the car rental. Just don't fall for it. Yeah, I think I don't think I'll go back after the Turo. I mean, you can if you can't meet them somewhere, they'll deliver the car to you like at the airport for a small fee and it's so worth it yeah i gotta check it out nice. yeah oh, you mentioned at the boot camp yesterday joe that the idea of booking the hotel late in the day do you want to say why yeah just i if i'm on a trip i always book the hotel like 11 55 p.m because if you're at a, at a casino and it's like nine o'clock you know you might be tempted to try to find a place nearby but you could get backed off in five minutes and then that's five hours of time you could have driven to the next casino and stuff. But if you wait till after midnight, then you can't, you have to wait till the next day mm -hmm. to get it. Obviously, if you know you're gonna be in that town for several days, they got multiple casinos, but yeah, if it's some secluded place that- uh, You're really gonna wanna think twice. Yeah, or, about booking it early. Yeah. <laughs> we Yeah, we've had that. Another thing I would say too is like credit cards, like get a really good credit card. Cause I've gotten a lot of points back on expenses just from, cause you know, you're spending like a lot of money on flights and you know, hotel. I mean, depends on what kind of AP you are. I know APs are just, they live out of their cars and stuff, but I know, I know that if you are flying a lot, you're using rental cars a lot in hotels, that getting a credit card is, would be nice, you know, cause you get all those points back and that's helped me for sure. Yeah, I'd want to know, are you, what, what kind of, oh, you said hotels.com. Yeah, I'd want to know what, because the Airbnb used to be such a good deal for renting out rooms, and now it's just becoming, like, more expensive than getting out. It's ridiculous. Well, it's crazy. I don't even look there anymore. Yeah, right? <laughs> I already assume it's going to be uh, more expensive. <laughs> it's become a business where it was, yeah, someone just making a little extra money renting out a place. But it's worth at least perhaps checking. Sometimes it's nice being, at least for me, I don't know, hotels can be fine, but sometimes getting away, especially like Vegas. I'd, I'd rather not stay in a Vegas hotel if, if possible. If it's free, sure. Like a casino hotel, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And Airbnb, I don't know. I feel like a little more human. Yeah, I get, I get you know, comp nights through, you know, one of the, you know, because I, I do have a, a card with one of the, you know, hotel chains, but I don't play rated there. So I, just, I do other, like, I do like slot plays or some like other stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think generally, as I've done this longer and longer, the last place that I want to, spend my night at the end of a long day of playing blackjack is staying at a casino. So it's actually nicer for me to like not be in a casino hotel, like just be away from that setting. Are you doing anything to like keep yourself healthy on the road and things like that? I think listening to music has been helpful. Uh, listening to music has been good. I have friends I usually call and talk to. I think also just traveling and just seeing places. And, you know, if I'm just going through a really bad swing, just in the last few trips that I've had, I've done like a lot of like exploring, like just taking a day to just go see the place. And um, it's been really nice. You know, it's been really therapeutic to just plug away from that for a little while, especially when you're really in the, in the thick of a losing streak. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned a couple of times losing streak. Uh, how's this year been? Uh, this year has been a little rough. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think 
with currently the way my uh, results have been going, I think this might be my longest losing streak so far. And you said how how long has it been? Ninety hours or currently it's been about ninety hours. Uh, my longest one was about one hundred and twenty five. But this has been, I think, the most like vicious one I've had so yeah. far. Like, I think I also raised my bet spread a few months ago because it was I was able to have like a reduced risk of ruin. And yeah, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to stagger my bet spread with my risk of ruin and make it like smaller as mm-hmm. it's rising. But the swings have been very, um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. <laughs> I have mad respect for all the people playing high stakes. I just don't know what it would be. I'd probably be breaking windows and are, are you at, smashing yeah. tables, losing at like two spots of 500 or 600 or 1,000. Have you had to reduce your bet spread? Yeah, I'm going to have to like look at that and uh, probably scale back a little bit, which really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to do it. Yeah, but it's, man, it's so much better than not doing that. Yeah. Uh, it's so, I mean, you're in the positive for your career? Overall, yeah. Uh, I've made a... Uh, made six figures so far so so even with this brutal losing streak it's, it's funny because i do we do these podcasts and i people are always talking about the losing streaks yeah. and i'm like but you have made money right oh, oh yeah oh yeah yeah six figures yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, but I, it's, I mean, it's easy to forget about that when you're in the thick of it <laughs> i mean we talked to talk about that we've joe and i've talked about that a lot that if someone asked us we feel like we've made a fraction of what we've made because the losses you feel them so much more and it's like well i'm supposed to win like every day i'm supposed to <laughs> every <laughs> single hand <laughs> uh, any idea where how many total hours have you played uh i just as of my last trip i actually just crossed a 700 hour threshold okay nice yeah and uh are you anywhere near the ballpark of ev with currently i'm about i would say i'm about 30 40 thousand dollars below ev but you know, I'm still like my chart's still looking pretty. Yeah. Pretty like generally, it's it's an uphill. Yeah. Uphill trending slope. Yeah. But um, with the and so six figures. Players. How long have you been playing? It's not that long. I feel like your boot camp wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I started playing late, like early spring of last year. Okay. So I'm a little bit over a year now. So a year, six figures in a year. Hey, to be up six figures in a year, in the midst of a brutal downswing, nice work. Thank you. Yeah. And 700 um, hours in a year. Like, well done. Yeah. Well I'm done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of hours in casinos. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that I spend that much time in a casino. <laughs> Have you had any like mistreatment or harsh backoffs during this 700 hours? Oh uh, yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> Who were they? What did they do to you? <laughs> yeah. So I've had some, I've had some nasty trespasses. Actually, my first backoff ever was a trespass which that was an interesting experience. And I had two actually really nasty trespasses in this one region. When you say nasty, uh, like they're they putting their hands on you? Uh, no, but it was getting kind of intense in the sense that like they were almost trying to keep me on the property, almost try to obstruct my, 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 me like walking out yeah. of the casino. Keep you from leaving. Yeah. So there's one casino I played at, I had gotten previously backed off of, and I didn't know until after the fact that they were using facial recognition they weren't a Biometrica subscriber, but they were using facial recognition of some kind. And the time I went back, I was a little bit lazy, which I shouldn't have been <laughs> with my disguise. But I had gotten no heat. I cashed out. And it was weird because they were asking me for my ID over a certain amount that I usually never had gotten before. 
And so I figured, you know what, it's fine, whatever, I'll give it. And then right behind me is this like short little like blonde lady, middle-aged lady. She's like, excuse me, sir, can I see your ID? And I'm like, lady, I just gave it to the cage. Like you can get it from them. She's like, no, I need to see your ID. And you're on private property and our manager thinks you've been here before. And I'm like denying it. I'm like, no, I haven't been here before. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, yeah, well, let me walk you over to him. And you can talk to have a talk with him. And, um, and it was a guy who had previously backed me off before. And I'm like, you know what, lady, I'm just going to leave. And she was following me. He's like, sir, you need to stay put. And then she's like, she's getting on her mic. She's like calling security. She's like, yeah, security. Like you know, this guy's trying to leave the property. And then at How some point, you? yeah, you try to leave. Yeah, what is wrong getting... with you? You want to leave a place that's being hostile toward you? <laughs> I know I hadn't done nothing wrong. I'm just, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. And, but yeah, she was getting really intense. And at some point she almost tried to walk in front of me to like prevent me from walking off the property. And I was like, yeah, well, what you're doing is illegal. You can't detain me here. You know, I'm, I have a right to walk out. And uh, yeah, security drove me out. Uh, was driving to my car when I was walking back. He's like, yeah, yeah, facial recognition. Like, yeah, don't come back. <laughs> oh. So that was, that was uh, I would say, the most uh, intense trespass I think I've ever had. But uh, never been physically harmed. I think that's the thing that people are. Luckily, no. Yeah. Have not been touched. They almost tried to back room me once at the Southern Casino. And they're like, yeah, like, let's have a talk in our office. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm going to stay right here. And yeah. So that was interesting. And that's the right approach. <laughs> say, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. I'm just going to take these chips and walk away. And I had my mom cash them out, actually. Which oh, was, awesome. Because she lives in the area. So that was nice. <laughs> so we don't have a lot of time left because we still have a boot camp to do today. But there's, there's a couple of things I still want to hit. You posted on the forum this rounds per hour study. Do you mind sharing about that and, and most importantly your conclusions? Yeah, I'm a huge like I'm I'm a huge like data freak. I'm obsessed with data. I think more than a normal person should. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think when I was in the beginning of my career, I feel like I was really overestimating my rounds per hour, and I felt like you know I really just needed to know what I was getting at the table, and so I just decided to go on this crazy <laughs> experiment of just testing out you know, single deck, double deck, face up, face down, ASM, hand shuffle, just because I just really wanted to know what I was really getting at the table. It's really hard to do that, like to do to count and to count your rounds per hour. I mean, unless you have the brain built for it, it's like pretty hard. Well, you, you can um, set a chip aside for every round. I've done that before where I was true, yeah. really curious playing double deck. It felt really slow. So for <laughs> nobody can see this, but I have a stack of chips in my hand. But for, for every round play, you know, I think I started on my watch or something a, a stopwatch and then played through like two shoes you know from the first round through the shuffle of, of two shoes and just set it chip aside and then i was able to say okay well that was 10 minutes and we played you know right 12 rounds so with a little quick math what 70 74 rounds per hour sorry yeah uh, yeah no, i used to do that too i think i think that was i don't know i felt like that was kind of like weird for me to do like trying yeah. to set aside chips and then dealers would look at that and like why is this guy doing that? <laughs> I, I did it for 10, 10 minutes, you know, 12 chips or whatever it was set right. aside. It was but, like a one-time thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that. It is, it is hard to know. Once uh, I was on a trip with someone and, and he happened to, he didn't know I was in that casino. He came in and he saw me. And so he just stood behind and he, he counted and, and it was, it was really interesting to hear, you know, what he said, but tell us, tell us more about the study. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I just really wanted to know, like, how fast I was being dealt to. And it turns out, you know, looking back at what I was estimating, which is like a really, it was like some rough numbers. This is before I found out that you had the post 
Yes. Um, from, this, yeah. Yeah. So I use I started using those numbers, but then I really wanted to know like what are the single deck speeds, what are like the the six deck, eight deck speeds, like the types of shuffles and all that stuff. So for me, I really just wanted to like kind of you know take all those factors into account and also different penetration levels. How does that affect rounds per hour? And yeah, I just kind of put it out there and um, just to share with folks, and it, it seems to have helped a lot of people. And what is there any like biggest takeaway from it that you could share with people? From the study? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just important to just really, because I, I think a lot of times also, sometimes when, when counters are playing for a few hundred hours, they see their charts and like, oh, I'm not an EV. Like, what's going on here? Is it my game? Is it? And, and sometimes it could be their, their game, right? They may not be playing a perfect game or maybe they are, but maybe they're just overestimating the rounds per hour or their EV that they're getting at the table. So I think the study was, I think, really important for me, but also hopefully helpful for other folks to just really assess like, what is it that I'm really getting at the table? And also maybe even being more on the conservative side of that as well. Cause there's so many other factors that yeah. you can't take into account. You said that you were overestimating your rounds for like a six deck game. What do you, what were you estimating before? And then what did you find out with the, Man, I think I was like estimating, geez, I don't remember now. I think I like about 250 rounds per hour. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Which is, yeah. I definitely, when I, when I was doing like the whole chip thing at, at a six X shoe, I was like, that, that's definitely not 200. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, if, if you're flying heads up, I think the biggest takeaway, just looking at the data, I was like, wow, just going from heads up to one other player is, is a big difference. And if you're listening to this and you can't afford to play through negative counts, don't do it. Like play slower and protect your bankroll. Yeah. But if you can afford to play through negative counts, even one other player, it really does affect the rounds per hour more than you might think. It's a big deal. I mean, when I was playing, I mean, I know there's a lot of places I've been playing at without face up double deck, like ASM Ooh. shuffle. Um, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and every time I'm playing a double deck game now, I'm always asking like, Hey, can we play face up? And you know, almost about half the time they'll grant the wish and I'll be like, sweet, just raise my EV by like a hundred dollars an hour or something like that. You know? I think something that people don't take into account and then the computers don't take into account is when you have, when you're trying to estimate, Oh, I'm going to have two or three other players with me. They're assuming that those players play as fast as you exactly and, and, and you're true. averaging up but it's not they're so much slower you've got side bets uh, some casinos even have two side bets yeah it's it really does slow dude yeah down. the side bets big time Just, you know yeah the two side bets is what am i doing here like yeah I, I gotta i start questioning my life decisions if i'm stuck at a table <laughs> with two side bets oh that's grueling and that's actually one of the things i incorporated in my study too is like what does it look like with the side bets as yeah well? and i use the, the lucky lucky study nice which, yeah yeah that's right yeah so, so just people people can check that out if you have a membership if you don't uh, this still should be some good helpful takeaways last question what's your preferred time of day to play because i think you have a little bit of a unique yeah you know early on when i lost some of my locals i got really jaded by playing the day shift because I, lo I lost a really good local and I was playing it for only PMs exclusively. And then I played one day shift and I lost the entire guy. I got trespassed. I lost the entire casino. But I think, you know, from my experience, actually, it just really just depends on the casino and just knowing because every casino is just so different. Like sometimes the PM shifts will be sweatier than the AM shifts and vice versa. You know, I think it just is casino dependent. But I, I've recently started to gravitate towards playing mostly AMs and PMs. And I think for me, it's just because I just hate being up till four or 5 a.m. and getting up late. It's just, it's not, 
it's not for me. <laughs> Especially with so. the in-person part-time job is that that transition back and forth that's got to be tough yeah yeah it's been that's been hard i mean it really just messes up with my sleep schedule but also one of the things i've been getting into recently too is like trading i've been getting this trading and i have to be up at 6 30 a.m for that so to have to be up in the casino until 4 or 5 a.m get up an hour and a half later to do that you know is also really hard so. yeah i was on a the first team i was on one, one of the guys was a day trader and so we'd get home from the casino at you know 6 a.m and he'd turn on the tv to you know see see the markets or or whatever he wasn't like trading after being up all night but he at least wanted to keep follow what was going on i, I don't know how he did i mean he, it was not often that he was doing both he t tended to like focus on trading for a while and then focus on blackjack but that's yeah that's got to be tough to have a sleep schedule like like uh if you're playing nights and then trying to trade early mornings. Yeah. The only exception I'll make is I've, if I'm like, if I'm getting good conditions yeah. and it's just like, well, I could go to sleep now or I could just keep playing heads up for the next hour. <laughs> so sometimes I'll just kind of grind through it and just eat the sleep schedule. So how long do you think you want to be doing this? Do you want to do more trading or is this a short term thing for you or you want to be a lifer or how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I think I really started to think about that a lot more uh, recently. I definitely don't think I want to do full-time AP play forever. I definitely plan to phase that out at some point. I definitely do want to make trading a full-time thing. It's been something I've been working on, working on a working trading system. And so far it's been going well, which is good, starting on a small bankroll. But I think in terms of blackjack, I think it's going to be in my life for a while. I, I see it also as a huge tool for traveling. Because um, there's a lot of places in the world that have casinos. And I'm like, wow, I can just go. Even if I'm not doing it full time, I can do it part time. But I can use that as like a way to travel and go places. And, you know, I could play and break even on expenses and then just go spend the rest of my trip just enjoying it, you know, and seeing, seeing the country and seeing the world. So I think for me, part time blackjack, I think will definitely be around for a long time. I definitely don't think I want to do full time forever, though. It's definitely it's got its own wear and tear and uh yeah, it is rare for someone to do it for a long, long period of time. Any final thoughts or wisdom you want to share with people before we wrap it up? Yeah, I would just say uh, really, I think for me, like I really knew what I was getting into. Um, well, not, not knowing what I was getting into, but I really knew what I wanted out of AP Blackjack. I wanted to do it full time. I wanted it for the freedom. And I think it's really important that folks, you know, really know what they're, why they're getting into it and what they want to do it for. And you know, whether it's building up a retirement fund or whether it's doing it as a source of freedom. I think it's really important that folks just, you know, understand that, you know, train as much as you can, network with people. Like I, I networking has been such a huge part of my success. I feel like if I hadn't had people, the forum, the community, people to talk to, I don't think I would be here today. I think I'd probably have gone bust a long time ago and probably be doing something else. So I think networking and having a community is just so important. Yeah, I like I like how you put that because networking can sound like a self-serving thing and and it should benefit you, but it's it not just neutral. that. It's it's also community. It's right. also the fact that we're not wired to just be isolated, you know. There are those people that that seem to do it, but but we're not really wired to just be isolated. So, yeah. Well, thanks for taking this time with us. Cool to hear your story. I mean, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I remember your boot camp like it was just last year because it I was <laughs> just yesterday. <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool to hear hear what you've done in the last year and the approach that you've had, and that you now have so much to give back. So thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. And uh, for everybody listening, I uh, hope you enjoyed, and you can check out 
more at blackjackapprenticeship.com if you also want to fall for the scam and yes, give it. <laughs> do it it's worthwhile <laughs> Just get five people under you and five people under you. <laughs> I get uh, $10 off my membership. So. <laughs> All right. Catch you later. Bye.